What's up, everybody? This is Conscience. Welcome to my channel. Make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell. I'm here with my good friend of 25, 30 years, something like that. Uh, professor Mike, he's a professor at a college, psychology, right, Mike? Yeah, that's one of the courses I teach. That's one of the courses he teaches. So we're that's, discussing uh, mental health issues pretty much. Yeah, man. So yeah, make man, sure I'll pull up to... The Sorry, go ahead, make, buddy. Make sure to check out his page, Digital Academy, the Digital Academy. What does your, uh, your yeah, avatar man. have Hell again? Because yeah. uh, I know there's a few Digital Academies on YouTube. Mine's got the Don't Panic Alien from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. There you go. Look for that, that uh, avatar when you're searching the Digital Academy. My name is Conscience. You can find my page. I'm the only conscience on the internet, C-O-N-S-H-I-N-Z, just like my YouTube channel says. Uh, make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell. I'm working on 1,000 subscribers. I'm really looking forward to being able to reach you on your homepage with text messages. So we're doing a podcast today. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. We're, we Basically, what we do is uh, Professor Mike here broadcasts one of his lectures or presentations for his classes in college, and we have a discussion about it. So we got Digital Academy here. Here goes Mike with the slideshow slash presentation. If you're listening, so, uh, on, go ahead. You know, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, you won't get the visual, so make sure to go find it on YouTube. And now, Professor Maines, I will give you the floor. Yeah, man. So uh, as I kind of mentioned in that other one, um, I'm revamping some of these courses. So if anyone on the Digital Academy channel that's like a past student, you'll be familiar with some of this content, but I'm kind of, as I'm revamping it, doing one last kind of hurrah with some of these kind of classic presentations that I've enjoyed doing with students over the years. So today we'll, we're going to be looking at what I'm calling the history of therapeutic psychology. All right. And these kind of five dominant trends within psychology. So if you, if you think about it, therapeutic psychology is kind of, I think, an interesting way of phrasing it because it also implies that there's obviously applications of psychology that aren't therapeutic. Yeah. What are, what are, that's exactly where my mind went. What isn't therapeutic about psychology? Uh, like applied psychology. So things like advertising, things like marketing, things like oh, manipulation. I see manipulation. Right. So, and well, because the more that you understand, the more that I understand your mind, the more I can heal you, but also the yeah. more I can hurt you. Right. Or, or not necessarily even hurt you, but weaken you and make you insecure so that you'll buy products. We were talking about that earlier, man, the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. And we should write that down at some point. Edward Bernays is a guy we should talk about at some point. Very interesting guy. He was the nephew of Freud and uh, he was heavily involved in like, what became known as Madison Avenue and the kind of whole marketing propaganda, which after World War II, that term was really frowned upon because it was associated with Nazi propaganda and rightfully so. So that term kind of got changed to public relations. Okay. But this whole idea of applied psychology to shift public perception of what they need. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because it's like applied Freudian psychology. It's, it's What's that dude's name again? Edward Bernays. It's like B -E Edward Bernays. Yeah, B E R N A Y S. Bernays is a type of sauce. I don't yep. know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's in it, but I think it's kind of like um, Hollandaise hot. 
It's like egg may yolks. or may not be related. A- egg yolks and shrimp. Bernays. So that's how I'm associating him. I'll remember that. Bernays sauce. Yeah, he made that sauce, man. Yeah, he made that sauce. I have no idea. Okay. He is the sauce maker. So can you, how is your visual? Like you can see this and everything cool. Want me to read this? Yeah, you can read this, sure. Psychoanalytic theories. Psychoanalytic theories believe that developmental change happens because of the influence of internal drives and emotions on behavior. Yep. Tell me about that, Professor. Okay, so first of all, look at if you notice how there it's written as psychoanalytic, and I just kind of it's written as one word, but I kind of colored the beginning of the word yellow to focus on the psycho is the kind of root word of psychology. So psychoanalytic psychology is analyzing basically the mind, analyzing the psyche, analyzing it's, it's beginning. It's the work of Freud and then his students. So like the most famous psychoanalytic uh, psychologists would be people like Freud and his daughter, Anna Freud and Carl Jung and then Eric Erickson. How old is Anna Freud? Is she still alive? I don't think so. Well, he lived okay, in... Okay, wait, you talk for a second, because now I got... What was it, the Like 40s? I was talking to you before, I got a second computer set up. Well, Freud Freud was around in the 40s, was he not? That's when he, he was really hitting his prime in the 40s? No, so Freud hit his prime, like, around the turn of the century. So his book, oh. his biggest book, Interpretation of Dreams, was like 1899. So like right oh, at the turn see, of the I century. Oh, I thought it was later than that. So his daughter's almost guaranteed to be dead. Yeah, so she died in 82. So she died. 82, that's the year I was born. Yeah, you're a millennial. So, yeah, uh, I'm a millennial and you're not, right? 81 I'm a Gen X, buddy. 80, 81 is Gen X and I'm born in 82 and I'm a millennial. So I'm the oldest millennial there is. Yeah. It's fucking no, terrible. no, no. You're the young. Yeah, you're the oldest. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm the oldest millennial. So, and you're so the youngest it, Gen X. Yep, exactly. But I'm not a millennial, and that's what's important. Okay, so <laughs> psychoanalytic theory. Let's just focus on the important part. All right, right. Let's do it. I'm just joking, man. So the idea, though, is it, that's really important because it Freud, it's uh, kind of a rant I sometimes go on is, and stop me and ask questions at any point, is this idea that Freud was actually a medical doctor, right? He was somebody that was trying to help patients, and his patients were coming and presenting issues to him that didn't seem to have a specific physical cause. He was a general practitioner. Yeah. But in a, that's a, that's a weird, that's a, that's a right way of saying that, but it's it wasn't like, as defined as it is now back then. Yeah. He was one of the most well-rounded like the doctor who took care of everything. Yeah. He was, and he was having these people come to him, mainly women and talk about stuff that we would now call mental health but at right. the time was just kind of under this broad category of this outdated word, which is hysteria, right? That, yeah. And then, but Freud started to think, well, okay, maybe if there's not a physical cause for these things, like say what we would now understand is maybe, I don't know, the whole range of mental health issues that maybe there's different kind of, maybe there's more going on in your mind than just kind of the surface level. Maybe there's, these deep layers. Maybe the fact that we have this direct link to the animal kingdom actually affects us. And I think it's important to understand that Freud's talking before we have the language of things like genetics, but he's really talking about genetics when he's saying here, he's looking at your internal drives. 
So what's that? That's like, we would say that nowadays is like your instinctual. Yeah. His idea of the id is basically the word instinct. Yeah. Right. So he's basically saying how much you're, so where you see internal drives there. So this is what I sometimes do in my class. I hope the people watching this don't find this boring and find this kind of cool. What I'll sometimes do is put up something like this and then just break it down. Right. Because once you kind of, because one of the things is if psychology is new to you, it's a language you have to learn. It's you're smart enough to understand it. We just have to be specific with what words mean. So when we're looking at developmental changes, that means like how you're different from when you're 12 to when you're 18. Well, it's that part of it is that you're changing internally, your your emotions and how like all this kind of like your genetics and your emotional impact and all this stuff affects your behavior. Because we walk around thinking that it's our thinking that affects our behavior, that we choose to do certain things. Right. Freud made people highly uncomfortable by saying you're more emotional than you think. You're more instinctual than you think. It's almost like undefined, like undefined behavior. The stuff that we don't understand that we just do. So we're going to introduce a new word here, right? So his word for that was unconscious, right? right? So he presents this classic Freudian image of a, of a mind. So for people listening iceberg. to the podcast, yeah, iceberg. So what this image is, is like a person's head and there's kind of like an iceberg floating in the water. But the important piece is that the majority of the iceberg is underwater. And that's kind of representing in Freudian ideas, your, your mind. Okay, so he has this idea that our behavior is being shaped by both things we're conscious of and things we're unconscious of. So it's like why we're, you know, upset by certain things, attracted to certain people, why we respond to stress certain ways, why we feel pressured in certain ways, why we feel excited for certain things and interested in certain things and have preferences. All these things are partially things that we understand why and also influenced by things that are kind of behind the veil. Our behavior is determined by both conscious and unconscious processes. The way I kind of explain that theory of the unconscious process, I I relate that to the word instinct. Is that appropriate? Like it always comes down to me thinking like my instinctual processes are not that of my conscious processes because my unconscious processes are things that I don't consciously think about. So, yeah, so no, I think that's an interesting way of saying it. Go Sorry. ahead. No, 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 no go no. ahead, man. I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to relate it to instinct and, and make sure that I'm using the word instinct properly. Because everything you say in that, in this slide, I'm just like, oh, instinctual processes. Unconscious so, processes are instinctual processes. I think you could make that argument because I think instinct means that it's hardwired into our software. Exactly. And evolutionary. If you're not consciously thinking about that process, like sorting out a problem that has many steps to solve. And if you're not actually consciously doing that, then it must be instinct because it's your unconscious processes that's wired into your brain that you do instinctually. It's instinct. Yeah. And like, the fact that people can talk that haven't read Freud and that can talk about how your psychology is obviously influenced by instinct and stuff like it's like this, one of my arguments supporting Freud is that so many of his good ideas are just what we consider psychology. It's easy to pick apart a couple things, especially because he was a prolific writer. 
He wrote right. tons of stuff and he was writing before like medical papers or books. Yeah. Like, okay. So do you want an example of like something that people would hold against him? Is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah. So like, for example, no, not wrote, really. I was just wondering what he wrote. Okay. So he wrote. here's an Okay. So, okay. So he wrote society and it's discontent, which is still holds up as one of the most important books ever. He okay. Wrote, it's a book. Yep. He wrote a book. Yeah. And he wrote medical papers too. He wrote like another, a, no, a nonfiction book. Oh yeah. Definitely nonfiction. All straight up science. Yep. No, okay. like I'm talking about one of the, the most high level intellects of all time. Right. On the level of like maybe Shakespeare, Francis Bacon, like a few people, Copernicus. Right. Right. Like, so, uh, oh, sorry. Interpretation of Dreams in 1899. That's like maybe the m- most important book on dreams. Ever and how written. long are these books approximately? 300, 400 pages? Are you looking up some data? Yeah, sorry, on the I'm smiling, man. It's just that I feel like we're doing the Rogan show and I'm playing the role of young Jamie looking stuff. Yeah, up. you're 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 Jamie and Joe, which is funny, the amount quite of, the thing to hold up there. Uh any idea? Yeah. Like are these are I'm gonna these, say like three hundred pages. Two hundred okay. two hundred and twelve pages on this ebook version. Okay, but, uh, that, that's you know, and each one of those ebook pages is about a book page. They're pretty similar, just because yeah, I so publish books, and I publish ebooks, and it works out. But nowadays, well. man, you can if you're interested and you're listening to this, you can most certainly go on YouTube and find some ripped audio audiobooks. Especially since you know Freud's been gone a long time, and it's definitely you know it's not like you're ripping him off. Okay, right. so oh, but I want to tell this example because I think people might find this kind of interesting. Freud came out with this paper about cocaine where now you got to remember he is this still when cocaine was being used medicinally or so he made a a paper on the tremendous therapeutic benefits of cocaine in counseling so he would actually do it with his patient now remember from 2020s perspective that sounds insane (laughs) right but back in but um, but this was before they knew how addictive cocaine was so freud so let me get this straight Freud was snorting lines with his patients. No, well, you know, that's, you can find <laughs> articles that would present it that way. Yeah. Right. He wrote this article on the, and, and imagine, right. If you never had, remember he's writing this before we even have the word psychology and mass use, there's no such thing as going to a psychologist. Right. If you were right. going to an issue with that, you were probably going to the priest. Right. 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 Um, I think this, yeah, so anyways, but then he, that almost like destroyed him, right? This idea of like, because then it became almost a laughing stock, but that's easier in hindsight because after he published that, first of all, they started to learn how addictive it was next. It became like a, you know, a legal narcotic or whatever, but I'm sure huh. it did make his therapy sessions better, but then it could, yeah. but they probably didn't stop chatting. They're probably both just like chatterboxes chattering away. And remember, Freud also used all kinds of stuff, right? Like not narcotics, but I mean, um, like hypnosis. But can we confirm that he was doing the cocaine too? Is that confirmed? Or was it just his patient and he'd kind of like use it as a science test? Or was he actually doing cocaine? For all I'm saying right now, Freud should have very well... 
Freud could have very well been a cokehead, man. No. Imagine he was a cokehead. No, man. I think that's that's <laughs> a, that's that's the interpretation of Freud that drives me insane, man. Okay. So so he that's did it. have that did he have that reputation? Uh only by people that had no idea what they were talking about. Right. You know, the same type of people so that, that makes would tell sense. you not to watch Jordan Peterson. Okay, so Right. Oops, that's the wrong. No, Jordan Peterson. Okay, no, Jordan Peterson is a supporter of or you know, a star defender of Freud. Yeah, okay, so that. now Freud also talked about libido, right? So what that means is so th- now keep in mind, Freud, if this sounds some of this stuff we're about to get into Freud sounds a bit crazy. Th- keep in mind he's saying this in Victorian Europe. People burned Freud's books publicly in the square. They, he was Jewish, and, and, and they burned it saying it was uh, Jewish pornography because it talked about sexuality. Of course, there's no like, actual Jewish? native. Yeah. Where, yeah so he's, where is he from? Vienna. So Italy. Austria. 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 Oh. So he would so, have had like an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. There is a couple recordings that exist of Freud, I'd but keep in mind English is like his science know, language, second, third language. Right. But he did come to America, and he so did. he was a polyglot. Do we have any idea a what, what? a polyglot? Somebody speaking multiple languages. Oh yeah, definitely. So he was a polyglot. He spoke like three or four languages. You ever watch on YouTube these polyglots? They'll have conversations in like six or seven different languages. It's crazy. Yeah, man. I've never actually heard that word before, but I could hear, I could see Freud being a polyglot, an intellectual, choosing which language to to speak into himself. What he speaks inside his head, his consciousness. I bet you he chose what language he did it in. Do you think he has a language that he thought in? Do you think he thought in Austrian? Or English? I don't know, because I have uh, the only way, I don't know, That's I'd have to speculate, but I know that I've asked that question to my sister-in-law as she was getting pretty deep into learning French, like like really immersively. And she said that she started to dream sometimes in French ah, and have thoughts in French. Crazy. But, and yeah, I don't know, it's not like she was like, hmm, let me start thinking in French and I'm going to have a dream. Like it just kind of started to bleed in. Happening. Just started happening. A better way. As, yeah. the, as the comprehension excelled, the fluidity of the, of the subconscious thought kind of expanded. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when we talked about dreams last time, it's like the, the input, as the input, uh, whatever the word was, the word you just used. Um, Poly- I forget. Something polyglot. 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 Poly- As the language got more polyglot, it would make sense that that would be interpreted and reflected somehow in dreams. Right. Okay. Do so, wanna, do you want to look that up? You should Google that to make sure that I'm not giving fake news here. Polyglot. P O L Y G L O T. Polyglot. Someone who speaks more than five or six languages and is crazy as hell. Um, what did it say? Speaking or writing several languages, uh, multilingual, composed multilingual. of numerous linguistical groups. Right. That's from Webster. Yeah. So oh, I wonder poly, if polyglottomism. Okay. <laughs> Man, that's a cool word. Polyglottom, uh, polyglottomism. 
know, polyglottism is the ability to master or have a state of mastered multiple languages. So it's actually like achieving Fluent fluency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The word is synonymous with multilingual. Okay, so it just means the same as multilingual. Yeah. Okay. So word of the day. Next. Polyglot. Libido. We didn't Here's really talk of- about libido. Okay, so Freud's idea can go, here. Can you go back a slide? Yep. We didn't talk about uh, libido as an instinctual sexual drive. We didn't really talk about that. Right, so this was an idea that made people uncomfortable. So Freud started making these these assertions that so much of our social behavior is related to sexual and aggressive impulses and that we actually have these drives. So he called the drive is like, a drive would in his, uh, so so instinct is just a more modern word, but but yes, um, but what he was saying is his drives are what m- kind of motivates you. So like a drive and a motivation, you could almost say libido is an instinctual sexual motivation. Motivation. Right now, you just called an instinct. Right. So I think the the thing is is that I talk to the students about this a lot is like it'd be so interesting if Freud had been around for when we understood what genetics were, mm-hmm. right? Cause he's doing all of his academic work before we understood that actually DNA plays a massive role in all this. And later in this presentation, cause this presentation, we probably won't do it all today. Cause we're at like 40 minutes and already in this presentation is like 45 slides. Cause we're going to look at these five big dominant schools. The first one being psychoanalytic. Right. Um, Crap, man, I kind of lost my point, but, anyway. but yeah, but anyways, his main, main point, one of his main points was you're more animalistic than you think. You're more unconscious than you think. You're less the driver of the boat than you think. It's yeah. like you're heavily influenced by the emotions of yourself in the moment. You're heavily influenced by genetics. A lot of this is programmed. Your software has a huge, you, you're unaware of, the, the dynamic yeah. nature of your software. It feels yeah. like it's this. It feels like it's the iceberg on top, but it's that whole iceberg. Right. And that's, now again, oh, sorry. This is the point I was trying to make earlier. Of course, your conscious and your unconscious mind is just a kind of theoretical difference. It's just your mind. It's not like we could cut it's your brain thing. open and find those two things. He's right. talking more about how your brain processes not actual, uh, not actual, like not the, like not the anatomy of your brain. Well, it's like there's things that happen in our brain that don't require thinking, and there's a lot of them. A lot of things that don't require thinking. All right. So do you want to? That's a nice segue. Do you want to get into some examples of that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. So one of Freud's ideas is that what we call personality is actually a three-part thing. So again, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to tell this as a story and then I'll kind of fill in some more details. Okay. So he thought id. So his word id, you'll sometimes hear people talk about Freud and id, ego, superego. It is basically like you've been saying, basically just think of it as the word instinct. So we have this instinct, this instinctual drive. It's like basically this idea that like, because we're mammals, because we're part of the animal kingdom, it's it's reasonable to think that like we're also heavily influenced by some of these prime primordial yeah motive instincts 
like sexuality and aggression. Genetic preconditions. Yep. Yep. Software. Pre pre-programmed software. So I can't I'll, hear I'll you anymore, buddy. Pre-programmed software. Can you still hear me? I can't hear you. Okay. So guys, at this point, I'm going to cut Wilkie out and I'll just finish this slide quick and then maybe we'll finish up. Next time we'll talk about the id, we'll talk about the superego, we'll talk about the ego and how it balances those things. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for checking this out. Part two coming soon. Cheers. And thanks for watching. Take care.